It's got little trivia things on it. And did you know that bananas have half the DNA as we do as humans? What? I know. It seems like a lot. Half the DNA markers. They're not half human. Right. Half the DNA (laughs) markers, whatever. What are we talking about here? Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's Yawa. Thank you guys for tuning in. If it's your first time to the channel, make sure to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and make sure to ask your questions in the comment section saying Yawa questions. That's where we're getting all of these from, and that's how we can get them answered for you. Absolutely. Today is a really big day here because it is the day before I leave headed to South Dakota. We've talked a little bit about this. We're trying to make sure that we have the content prepped and ready for your Yawas So we can keep them coming each week, but um, I've also shot a couple other videos, one of them pigeon related, and it talks about vaccinating pigeons that may have already posted, but if you haven't seen it yet, you should look for it. And if it hasn't posted yet, be looking for it, because it's hard to know when you are shooting these things so far in advance and pre-shooting the videos since you're going to be gone for three weeks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's going to come out when? But uh, vaccinating pigeons, some of the other pigeon updates, uh, we'll be doing a clutch video update and a few other ones. He's actually coming to South Dakota with me, so we'll have the opportunity to get him on. So is Thunder. Speaking of which, if you think about it, Ethan's taking like all of our dogs and it's going to be a little bit sad around here. I get Grandpa Rex. Well, the list is going to be Nick's Vex, Legend, Quest to Stay in Here. Quest to Stay in Here. Um, muddy. muddy, grit, thunder, clutch. Then I'm also Is bringing guts going with you. Gutsy, I've got uh, Deacon. Deacon, Deacon in the house. Uh, Deacon's here. He got dropped off, and he's been roading. He's a wild man. Loves roading. I think he did like six, seven miles this morning. And uh, Zoe goes, "I just got to cut him off because he never wants to quit." So. Right. <laughs> You're going to overdo it, buddy. So uh, he ran, and then uh, Haas is going to meet me up there. And Hatch will be and going Hatch with will be coming well. with Tim. Yep, so that's 11 with the puppies. Plus, when Ethan's up there guiding, he'll be we guiding see a, a lot, lot of, of our dogs, clients yeah. that um, have dogs from us. So Cooper will be there. Yep. Rogue will be there. Shooter will be there. Shooter will be there for opening weekend. Yep, yep. and then the next group that Clutch's comes in. Clutch's Mama Sam yeah. is going to be there. Um... And there's also, uh, when Dan's group's up there, Maggie May and Vino. Vino, baby. The old girls will be in the house. And then a couple dogs have been in here for training. Uh, Mark's coming up, and he's going to have... Rosie and Brandy. Yep, those two. And then the next Duck will group, be there. Yep, Duck Johnson will be there in that group. So uh, that's who? That's uh, Sonny, Otto, and... Why can't I think of his name? Sunny Auto and oh, oh 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 god dang Scout no 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 no, no. Uh, Fritz Fritzy 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 yeah. yes so many names bouncing so around so many dogs and then uh, in the group after that it's uh, that's when we get Haas the Haasinator and then that's the only dog addition for that group and then the group after that uh, no dogs other and than then, our dogs other than our dogs and then the last group. Um, I would guess there will be a dog coming, but that's when Deacon's dad comes up. So, uh, that'll be a fun time. Oh, is he bringing Rucker? Yeah, he'll bring Rucker. Absolutely. So Rucker will be yep, there? Rucker will be there. And then... All the dogs. Oh Reagan, my gosh, it's going to be like... Reagan is not from our program, nor have we trained, but it's just a dog comes up every year with one of the guys. Um, so lots of dogs, lots of dogs from lots of walks of it's life. It's like a dog training... Mm. Reunion, Standing Stone Dog Training Reunion happening yes, up in South Dakota yes. this year. Uh, Shooter will be eight. This will be his eighth year, my eighth year. We go up every year. We'll stop at the DQ, have us an ice cream cone. So be looking for that post on the interwebs. Uh, happy eighth birthday to the man. The one, the only, well, not the one and only, but the... Our one and only. No, not even no, our one and only. Our, yeah, we well, reused that name. The well, the second and and very last. cool and still alive shooter. <laughs> we will never rename 
reuse names again. Uh, reusing names is a, is a terrible idea. Yeah. It's confusing yeah. for us and everyone else involved. But uh, then I'm probably not going to do a packing video. I got a lot of packing to do, but heck, I might do a packing video um, to kind of show you. We may do just a, a, a vlog ish of get stuff packed up and then a little bit of travel. And Tim's going to be driving up with me. He'll show up this evening and then uh, we'll be unpacking. So there may be some video opportunities of that aspect of things. But did you say that you're taking Thunder with you? I don't know if we mentioned yeah, Thunder. Thunder. Okay. Going. Thunder's yeah. going. So we'll have the opportunity. Videos with him as well. We'll have the opportunity on off days to shoot videos of that. I'm going to try and shoot uh, guide live videos. That's kind of tough when I've got so many things to do. But uh, clipping the old GoPro to the hat and showing off uh, what's happening with cooking breakfast, airing dogs, going hunting, cooking lunch, hunting some more, cooking dinner, cleaning up. All of those things wrapped into a what does it look like to be a hunting guide is my goal. Whether or not I'll be able to do that or not, it's it's a tough deal, but I want it to I want it it's to depict all It's a lot to do for the, yourself and coordinate. So. Yeah, it can be. So we'll we're going to try. We're going to try. And um, I think outside of that. Um, but what I was getting at was I'm only going to have Grandpa Rex and Questy Pup with me. Because Grandpa Rex is soon to be 15. He cannot hack the guide life anymore. Oh, no. Um, He'll come up with us and hunt. Yeah. He hunts with us on an individual short-term basis, um, not working hard for three weeks in a row. And then Quest is due to have her puppies the end of the month. So she's obviously got to be here for that. Perfect. A little updates of what's going on. Now, I think we should get into answering a few of your questions because that's what you're all here for anyway. But one other thing just to lay out because this is a new format. We're coming on. This will be for week three. No, four. four. Week four of this new format. We want to know your opinions. We're trying things out. We're trying to make it easier. We're trying to make it more mm, searchable, easier mm, to find the info. Organized even. Um, but... Yes, we actually had a comment that we need to be able to index our videos. Yes, Not which really is sure a thing. That, no, 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 it's a thing. Is that playlist? Uh, well, index the videos so that people can find them. I, I don't know. So there is an indexing process where you can actually do markers within a video. And we did that for a few videos and people still struggled with the ability to figure really out how to do it. And they didn't really get it. And we didn't really get great feedback about it. So we're like, well, that's extra work and mm, editing. So yeah. meh. And but. instead of um, having, you know, we answer five, six, seven, ten questions, depending on what it is, we're going to try and stick to around seven now. But we, we, before we were answering quite a few different questions and it's like, how do you title this video? We, we talk about so many things. Well, now we can do this because they're going to be posted as individual things. Now, if you like to binge, you can binge listen, if you will, on any place you want to get your podcasts, uh, for sure, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the things have our Standing Stone podcast where you can listen to this. Every Wednesday, it's going to go up and the audio will be there And for the week. if you still want to binge watch, you can just have some self-restraint, wait a week, mm. and then go to the playlist mm. for Yawa and watch. Have some self-restraint, says the lady that uh, a lot of times if we're watching a show and I'm out of town or something, she'll watch ahead and watch all of them and then not tell me and pretend like she hasn't seen them so she can watch them again with me. Hey, have some self-restraint. I'm just saying if you want to and you're not like waiting for the next day's mm-hmm. episode to come out, you mm-hmm. could just wait a week and then watch the week's worth of episodes from the playlist back to back to back to back. It's like, you know, when we weren't really this involved with Yellowstone right at first and then we were like, oh, what is this Yellowstone everyone's been talking about? And we could like watch three seasons at once. Yeah. And now we fun. have to wait. And that kind of sucks. <sighs> Okay, so uh, we're going to go ahead and get into a few questions with some really good ones to pull for this week. And I think Kat already said it, but again, I'm going to touch base on hit subscribe, turn on notifications. It's kind of a weird thing. We have a lot of people that subscribe and y'all love us, but um, the number of daily views that pop up on a video and then the number of people that are actually subscribed that are watching our videos is still pretty low. So we would appreciate it. We love you. If you love these videos, hit the subscribe button, turn on notifications, and let's answer a question. So this first question for the week is from Apodexis. 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 I bet you nailed that one. Yeah. Yawa question. 
We found an abandoned setter while mm-hmm. hunting. She seems to be around two to four years old and mm-hmm. also seems untrained. Is she too old to train with a clicker or too old to train in general? Um, and then there was a comment reply to that question from Booney. She probably is trained. First try and find the owner. If you can't, then you can start feeding it. You can make a name for it. See if she starts knowing tricks you never taught her, like sit or lay down. Otherwise, no, it's not too late. So, sure, thanks for chiming in. But, um, and yeah, you want to make sure that this dog that you've randomly found is truly abandoned. Do your best to find the owner. You know, obviously, uh, what, if they're not let's, wearing... Let's ask them, what, what have you... How do you know this dog is abandoned? What have we done here? I'm guessing no collar. That's probably a big one. If the dog has a collar, you're not going to go... Well, it still could be abandoned, I guess, technically. Or but, lost. Or lost, you know what I mean? But um, what have we done here? Um, have you taken to the vet to check and see if it's microchipped? That'd be another good one. Is it in good body condition? Because, you know, dogs fending for themselves are probably going to be a little bit trimmer than trimmer. the average uh-huh. house dog, uh-huh. family dog. Now, granted, their farm dogs are dogs that run off. There are dogs that are dumped. These are things that happen. But but there is also hunting season, dogs that get lost. You know, you're yes. traveling with your dog. You get into new on territory that the dog's not familiar with and the dogs get lost or gets really pumped up during hunting and then can't find their owner. And there's dogs that have been lost for days and then finally can reconnect with their families. So well, well and we know families firsthand that have had to deal with this. It's a sad the loss of deal. their dogs. Yeah, and eventually, deal. you know, they've posted, you know, rewards, lost dog, done radio advertisements, and you know, eventually had to come to terms with the fact that they probably weren't going to ever find their dog again, which they did all that they could to try and find that dog. Um, but we want to make sure first and foremost, that all avenues and aspects have been tried to reconnect this dog with its missing family. Okay. So we're going to assume you're an awesome person. You've already done all of the things and now you're trying to provide this dog with a new and excellent life that, uh, it can feel loved and be trained and so on and so forth. Um, the answer is 100%. There's no such thing as you can't teach an old dog new tricks and clicker training would be where we would start just like any dog that comes into our program now if the dog has been on its own for a while i'm sure it's a pretty good eater most uh you know if it's had to fend for itself at all it's going to be excited a little more food food motivated Mm -hmm. um but also keep in mind you know if it's unsure of the situation then it also may take a little bit of time for it to feel comfortable and safe and respect you as a person that is important that they can listen to and learn from. The starting steps though would be charge that clicker, utilize meals, and then start to develop a working type mentality. It's going to not only build trust and a bond with you as handler because of the fact that come into this new environment and you are the direct link to food, which is a necessary thing for survival. So you kind of tap into a different level of the dog's brain that says, bingo, this person is, or people, multiple people in the family need to all be involved in this. And these people are important. Very, very important. So good question. Um, Hopefully it all works out in the end, the way it's supposed to with this uh, setter that you found, whether you can get connected with its family or it becomes part of your new family. Awesome. What's the next question we got? What do we have next? Next question is from Justin. Transformer. Di Giacomo. Di Giacomo. Yeah, what question? Wait, wait, let me see. Oh, you're going to do a better job than me? I'm guessing it's pronounced Di Giacomo, but I may be completely off base. Probably you're right and I'm wrong. So to answer the question, do you have any recommendations on a camera to film a bird hunt? Oh, heck yeah. Looking for a body mounted camera. Heck yeah. Okay. So body mounted, meaning attached to you somehow. I would say a point of view thing from a a bird, you know, like I I hear body mounted and I feel like something strapped to your chest. Um, but what realistically is you're going to want something as close to the, where you're looking and your head does that. So there are a couple things that I can recommend. Now, if you are watching 
any of our YouTube videos, I believe. Let me look at the descriptions right now just to make sure that I am not falsificationing you. Our most recent video. Okay. So you go right to the description and it shows our video gear. Yep. It talks about a GoPro. Yep. So our video gear, which I'm going to update this link because I just got, um, we've been using the eight blacks. We just updated to the nine and I shot a video, attempted to shoot a video today with that and it's working fantastic. And the thing that is the coolest part about that, A, has more battery life because the eight's battery life kind of sucked. Um, when you're shooting in 4K. And when you're shooting a whole hunt, because who knows when the action's going to happen. That's you're a thing. Trying like, to roll the whole time. I mean, I love shooting in 4K because it gives us the most ability to be able to punch in and see things and whatever else. But if we had shot them in 1080p, I think the battery life is exponentially yeah, longer. But then and you're like, you're you're sacrificing quality versus... For the, for the length. quantity aspect yeah. of stuff. And like, oh, we've like got everything, but... But now it was so grainy and far away, we couldn't really see what was happening anyway, nah. so... So, uh, with the GoPros uh, shooting in 4K, the 9 has, I think, listed at 30% more battery life, which is a lot. Um, the other side of it that they added, which was one of the biggest things, and the um, a recommendation from... Uh, another friend, Jordan, he's got a YouTube channel too, Jordan's Harvest. Um, the He used, it's called a snap, quick snap. The clip for the hats? Yeah, what's it called? I don't know, it's a clip for the hats. <sighs> but it's like a clamp. Yes. All right. Spring. It's like a super heavy duty chip clip. Keep rolling. I'm going to get the Okay, he's going to get what that's called. Um, but so we use the GoPros, we clip them on the bill of our hat and we video everything that's happening then. And are you back? It's called a same top. Yep. So it's called same top. Your GoPro goes right here. And then this bad boy, you go, yep, that looks pretty much even. And then you're right back where you were now. Those cameras have a wide enough angle view that it's pretty easy to hit what you're looking at. Throw it on the hat, and then the other side of it is you could take it off and vlog a little bit. Like, oh, wasn't that cool? Yeah, look at us. We're so cool. And then uh, we're going back to hunting. Boom. Or you're like, hey, I want to get a a cool shot of the dog. You can go... And then the dog's coming in with the bird. And you got a lot of flexibility if you're trying to do it all yourself with one of these same tops. And the other thing is with that new 9, it has a front-facing yes. and rear-facing screen. So for that vlogging aspect, you truly know if it's pointed at your face yeah, you or know if you're the in top frame. of your head. So it's a pretty sweet deal thus far. I really like it. Um, I haven't had any issues with mine. I haven't fully tested it, but... The nine is definitely an improvement over the eight and from what I can see. And that's definitely so what you're taking to South Dakota that if you're trying to get any of that guide life type of footage, mm-hmm. that's the uh, one of the main cameras you're going to be using for stuff like that. Yes. I will. Uh, Hands-free uh, video work. On, the, on this video moving forward, we will update the link. But if you go in our description, guys, um, anytime you're, you're worried about uh, gear or anything else, and to explain this because Amazon is very specific about how this works, okay? If you click on one of the links to the specific video equipment, we list everything because people ask, you know, what kind of camera are you using? What kind of this, that, and another thing. Um, they We have affiliate links in there. So clicking on that link gives us a little bit of a kickback from Amazon. For recommending the items. For recommending. As well as while you are there, if you clicked our affiliate link for that and you pick up a couple extra things, we get a kickback from that too. Because essentially we sent you to Amazon and then you bought some stuff. So, And it doesn't cost you guys anything more to use that affiliate link. So we mm-mm. appreciate it if you do. The only other thing that I can say is if you're trying to shoot that video yourself and you want kind of to be able to clip together a few things and see some cool stuff... The other one that you could add to this would be a drone. Now, the drone has a sweet feature that is called a follow feature. And you essentially would draw a box. You throw it up in the air. um, You draw a box around yourself. And it will pick up and follow you. And if you set it to follow you at a high enough view and everything else, you'll be able to see the dog working. And you can kind of cut back and forth between things. It's It's a pretty cool thing that, again... 
allows you to hands-free doing uh, hands-free do that. Now, the battery life on those again is going to be somewhere in the vicinity of the newest version, which is the Mavic Pro 2, which is what we have and use. Um, battery life again is better. The batteries are a little bigger. The uh, they've got a ton more sensors, so you don't do no do more things. crashing. Yeah, I crashed it into a tree. Nobody will, and you use one goat. The old and, drone got crashed into a tree. Yeah, the old drone, but the new one has drastically more sensors that help protect you novices and me novices from breaking stuff. But all of that being said, it's a really cool. Um, second perspective to the way that things are looking with what's going on out there. And the battery life on those now is, I think, like 34 minutes. So it's drastically improved over the Mavic Pro, which is what we had before. And um, when you have those two things, uh, you would let it follow you and you do stuff. And then when it's done, it says, I'm about out of battery. I've only got enough battery to get me back to where I need to land safely. And you can do that. You can just say, yep, go back to the truck and land and then know that it's there when you come back. So your dog doesn't pick it up and break it. Or if you have a second battery with you, you can say, okay, come here instead, Mm -hmm. land it where you're at. Land here. I'll throw you back up in there. Throw another battery in and let it follow you on. So depends how invested you want to be with your video work for your hunts. Mm -hmm. But those would be some things. And then the last portion of the video is the audio. Yeah. GoPros. We won't be able to hear what you're saying hardly. Unless you have it, unless you have it turned around, pointed right at your mouth and there's no wind and whatever else. So get yourself, um, those are on here now as well. Video gear. We have the zoom lapel recorders as well as, uh, yep. Those are the ones that we're using now because the drone won't have any audio. The drone won't have any audio, but then you can hear, and that adds so much to the video to be able to hear. Yeah, we did it. Or come on, Sparky. Good job with the retrieve, whatever it is. And you can tuck that inside your shirt, out of the wind, and it, it it does it adds a ton to it. So those would be the 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 things if you're looking to do it yourself that I would recommend looking into. So he also had a second part to that question. Rock and roll. So his second part of his question was, do you have any suggestions for our dog Remy? After she is done running around and drinks water, she throws it up right away. To avoid it right now, we wait to give her water or give her very little. Mm-hmm. Also, during hunts, she barely drinks water or eats. These hunts are typically three to five hours long. Got it. So, dogs coming back and overhydrating after they've been working hard is really common. Super, They super are like, I'm thirsty, so I get in this cycle and I just drink and drink and drink until I'm way over full. And then the only thing that can happen is for them to puke up that water. Mm-hmm. And it's really not necessary. Um, so trying to hydrate your dog in the field, if you can get them to come to you and have some water, that's a great thing. The hotter, drier it is, the more important that is. Um, when it's cool out, the dogs resist coming and drinking water. They don't feel the need to drink the water during the hunting time. Well, it's no different than with us. You know, when I'm yeah. out hunting and it's hot, I'm like, oh, I need to drink water. But when it's cold, I'll go all day without drinking a bottle of water, you know? And, and then, then you get, get really dehydrated. Exactly, because you still need to drink the water. Right, but you don't feel the need as much. So the same can happen with the dogs. But having water bottles, um, I like water bottles with squirt nozzles so that you're not trying to, like, cup the water into your hand or have a, you know, water bottle that you're pouring out into their mouth or bringing a bowl to the field. None of that works out uh, super well. Having a water bottle with a, you know, squirt bottle nozzle on the end is really nice. And you can open up their cheek and squirt it across their tongue. Don't squirt it down their throat. Um, let them lap a little bit and then cool them off on their ears, their underbelly, things like that. Shooting straight at them, you have a higher risk of potential aspiration of the, the liquid itself. Choking so, and coughing on the water. I mean, it's still a pretty small chance, but let's cut out the chance by shooting across their shooting across their mouth if at all possible. Yeah, but you were also mentioning that, you know, they they also hardly eat um, during the hunt, which can be three to five hours. Well, we don't feed our dogs during hunting. No, don't, um, don't do that. No, so we offer them a little bit of food in the morning prior to hunting, especially because we're not going to be hunting until like 10 o'clock. So and they've got time to digest a little bit, get some energy from that food. Yes, and that, to to the specifics on that, that's if we're hunting a whole day. If I'm going to do a half day hunt where I know it's only going to be maybe two, three hours, I'm not going to put anything in them 
because or if we're hunting super early because we're out there starting right away in the morning digest yep don't have time to you know utilize that food for energy and then we'll just feed them after the hunt but um and then they always get fed in the evening after they're done hunting now a way to help them gain some hydration after they're done hunting if they're you know kind of refusing some of that water at a later time is to float their food We utilize this on the road a lot. We actually just shot a video about feeding our dogs on the road and how we float their food. And if you search, I'm going to throw this up here, uh, Standing Stone again. Uh, We had a lot of people that say, man, it's really hard to find all your videos. So I'm trying to show you the easy way. And I had a conversation with a guy about this the other day. I'm like, hey, if you just search in YouTube search bar, Standing Stone, and then a question, we utilize a lot of tags and we try and make our videos searchable because we understand that these are questions people have and they might be looking for that answer. Yep. And we use the tags and metadata to be able to make them even more searchable. So if you're searching standing stone um, and then hunting dog uh, health, and there are a string of different videos in there. I think we even have a playlist. Do we have a playlist now? For hunting dog health. I believe okay. so. Um, there's a bunch of really good ones in there, but then if you have to go down a few, just because it's, uh, this isn't an exact just searching search, search standing stones, feeding dogs. Okay. I'm pretty sure. We'll see who had the better search tactic. Okay. So standing stone feeding dogs, you get to see my video first, which was, um, seven months ago. We put this up on, Hunting dog health, feeding your dogs on the road. We show and talk about these things. And then Kat did a reiteration of essentially the same thing and a little better presentation just because it's Kat. We all know. You guys can go watch both of them and then vote which one you think is better. Heck yeah, do that. Uh Uh-huh. I know this is another game that Ethan's going to lose, but I am up to the challenge. Um, Hunting dog health, how we feed our dogs while on a hunting trip. Excuse me. How we feed our dogs while on a hunting trip. And that's the one that Kat did most recently. You when can we see that based on days. Yep. So searching, standing stone, and then whatever you're trying to figure out is going to get you to the video that most accurately uh, fits that category. So. so don't try and feed your dog in the field. Wait until after the hunt to get them that food. And mm-hmm. then, yes, give your dog a little bit of water right after the hunt, sure, but then let them cool down, let them stop panting, let them kind of collect themselves before giving them full access to water because otherwise they're just going to overdo it and they're going to end up puking up a whole bunch of water. Old uh, bird dog friend of mine said, it's always better on them than in them. (laughs) So good question. And I hope that helps for taking your dog out, running around and hunting this fall. Perfect. All right. So we're going to move into another question. Uh, yes, this one is from Jenna Langman. Mm. Yawa question. See what she did there? Put your Yawa questions in the comment section of any of our YouTube videos. That's where we're getting these questions from. Yep. That where you, that's where you can find um that's where we can find the questions to answer them in these videos. So And uh listen to the podcast on Wednesdays. If you want to binge all the info all at once. Correct. So Love your channel. Can't wait to visit Kansas at some stage of my life. Well, Absolutely. come on over or down or Small up, place depending like on where you're from. Toto. My question is about the use of your awesome easy lead. Our puppy, Rocky, who is now 16 weeks name. old. Yeah, we trained a really pretty English setter named Rocky. The last setter before that, uh, the last dog I trained before that, this name was Rocky, was a red setter. And that was... Ooh, buddy. Probably going on 10, 12 years ago now. Yeah. Rocky. So he's 16 weeks, has been doing a great job with his clicker and recent e-collar training. However, most times when we attach his easy lead, he just wants to bite it and seems to become quite lead crazy. Mm. If that's even a thing, we don't use the lead all the time every day. It's usually at night times when we want to let him go potty and then come straight back inside to be kenneled, crate or dog bed. Should we be training him to start healing? Should we be collar conditioning, clicker training the lead attachment? Should we not be using the easy lead yet? I always get Rocky to sit before attaching the lead, then say good boy, and then I open the door, walk out before him, and say okay. But as we hit the grass, he goes crazy, trying to get free, basically. Any advice? Please help. So, 
This was a really good question and probably one that you are not alone on. Um, dogs get lead crazy, if you will, puppies especially. Um, it's a new thing that's attached to them. Yes. Second of all, one thing that you mentioned is you're not using the easy lead on him all the time. And it sounds like you're just clipping it to him and using it as a clip style lead at this point, which is what we would recommend. Um, but it sounds like you're using it last thing at night, one more potty break, then it's in to relax and, you know, go to bed. Well, puppies are like toddlers and they kind of get into this fussy, crazy stage at the end of the night where Mm -hmm. they are just a little wild and they are very tired and they need to go to bed, but they kind of act out and are crazy. So the timing of when you're trying to use the easy lead, the clip lead, even if it was just a check cord, may be conducive to him acting a little bit crazier than he normally would if you were utilizing that lead throughout the day, um, as well as it's only being utilized approximately once a day. So he's not necessarily getting used to it as well. And it could be potentially, probably not 100% likely, but could be starting to figure out the pattern of mon lead and then we have to go to bed or something, but most likely just needs more time dragging the leash around. Yeah, and um, puppies like that tug-of-war resistance game. So what happens is it becomes this game, and then he's becoming conditioned that this is how I act. And we definitely want to nip that in the bud and redirect his focus. So taking some time to utilize the lead as just a clip lead to take him for walks and take him for potty breaks when you aren't. Um just last thing at night so that you can spend some time redirecting his focus and um, getting him to walk, getting him to sit, do a training session on leads so that he can focus on something else other than being clipped up. If he can think about something else, then that lead won't be new, won't be so important, won't be the only thing that he can focus on. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, we also... last part of that was, should should she be using the easy lead for the head halter portion yet, right? um, I was... I. Should we even be using it to start training? Ah. And, the, and should we be collar conditioning or clicker training the lead attachment? So um, getting him clipped up, sure, you can, you can clicker train. You can use positive reinforcement uh, training for any behavior that you're trying to um, get a dog to be better about. We have dogs at the kennel that sitting still, behaving, and being patient while getting an e-collar put on or not pulling away and avoiding that collar placement, we can even clicker train that. So yes, clicker training him to sit patiently and allow that clip lead to get attached to him, that's a great idea. That is definitely something you can do. I would say waiting to utilize the lead for healing and definitely not up over his muzzle yet at just 16 weeks old. That's something that we usually wait until puppies are five to six months old. Um, They're a little bit bigger, a little more sturdy. We definitely don't want to accidentally hurt them, um, as well as mental maturity to start learning that healing behavior usually isn't quite there yet. And we want our hunting dogs to have independence in the field prior to putting so much emphasis on staying at our side. Absolutely. Great question. All right. We got another question in here, don't we? We do. Okay. Next question is a good one because it relates to one of our other videos that wasn't actually a Yawa video, um, but it became a Yawa question that they asked in regards to watching one of the videos. Like I said, this is where we're getting the questions from. It doesn't have to be a Yawa video. It can be any video you find on our YouTube channel. You can put Yawa question in the comments and we will get to it. So, or we will do our best to try and get to it. From Sponge Smith. What about adding canned food of the same formula just on the road as a special thing? And this was in response to the video about feeding dogs on the road. Ah. Again, we talked about that one in um, one of our last questions and... The video basically talks about how to teach dogs to be food motivated and to eat when food is offered, not to be picky about eating on the road. Because if you don't have a dog that has been trained to eat when food is offered and they get on the road and things are a little different and they might be a little stressed, they might not want to eat. Yes. And And I might not. uh, A lot of dogs don't. Yeah. And then a lot of people (laughs) revert to trying 
special treats to bait yes. that food. Like I mentioned pouring bacon grease or getting a McDonald's sandwich and baiting them to eat that way, which just is going to upset the stomach and cause problems. Yeah, could cause, uh, you know, more because then they don't feel well or whatever else. And on the other side of it, the problem it's going to create is going to create a reliance on those extra special things. And developing good eating habits is not that difficult with a huge majority of dogs. And having those good eating habits is a much better way than having to bait in any way, shape, or form down the road. And ways that you can create good eating habits include having dogs that are willing to work for their meal. So instead of using special treats, you use their kibble and you train around a meal. Especially our, our breeds. I mean, our breeds are bred and designed and they're, they're hardwired that working is a part of life. And if you incorporate that into something that's extremely important on a daily basis, which is food, eating food. Yep. You have a, a lot more mentally prepared for life and a lot more mentally stable dogs because they're being taught and developed and handled and raised and all of these things, the way that their brain is hardwired, which means we have to work. They say- They need a job. They want a job. And dogs that, these breeds, if they don't have a job, that's when they get naughty and destructive because they're trying to entertain themselves and find a job. Yeah. They also say the hungry dog hunts the hardest. And that's because that's naturally what they have to do. Wolves, you know, wolves, dogs are 99.9% genetically the same as wolves. A big part of what they're missing in that domestication process is breeding out the aggression. You know, the speaking of genetics, which I just have to throw this out there because it was really funny. And, um, Aiden, our son, I got him out of Gogurt, which is in a little tube of yogurt. It's easy for him to feed to himself and it's got little trivia things on it. And did you know that bananas have half the DNA as we do as humans? What? I know it seems like a lot, but then when you're talking about wolves being genetically similar to dogs, 99.9% half the DNA markers, they're not half human, right? Half the DNA (laughs) markers, whatever. What are we talking about here? But I'm saying half of the DNA that makes up a banana is the same as what makes us people. But they obviously there's another whole 50% that turns us into people. It was on a Gogurt label. It has to be true. What? Okay. So we digress. Yeah. We're, we're going to look that one up. Um, dogs and wolves genetically the same. So essentially their brains work similar ish. And what we were talking about with the hungry dogs is wolves aren't like, Oh, I just ate a giant meal. We killed an elk and ate all the meat. Let's go find another. No, they lie around and be lazy dogs because they have full bellies. So then when they're hungry again, they go, oh, we got to start hunting. And the hungrier they get, the harder they work up until the point of too hungry. But the harder they're going to work until they are successful at, again, hunting and harvesting and eating. And then they lie around again. So you have to kind of take that similar approach. Uh, If your dog is overfed or is just eating, usually you're going to cut down that desire to work that they have because they have a full belly. As well as setting up specific meal times is really important as well. Um, People a lot of times free feed their animals, free feed their dogs, leave a bowl of kibble out all day long, and the dogs can come and take a mouthful when they feel like it. And they always know that bowl will be there for when they do feel just a little bit hungry. And if they have that mentality, that's what they're going to feel like when you're on the road or on a hunting trip. And that's not going to be the case. You're going to be in the field. You're going to be hunting. You're going to be working. That bowl of food isn't going to be accessible and available for them. And they're going to be a little, you know, stressed out. So they're like, well, I'll eat later. It'll be available later. It'll be available later. And then they get really hungry. And like Ethan was saying with wolves, once they get to that point of like too hungry and lacking energy and their muscles aren't recovering because they're not getting the proper nutrition because they're not eating, they're um, worn out. They're worn out. They're sore. And yeah. your hunting is going to be less productive. Yeah. And the other side of that with um, with uh, them eating. God dang. Lost my train of thought. We are talking about, and he was talking about soft food of the same formula. No. And that's, I mean, I understand that it's going to be easier on digestion than the other things. And soft food can be a bait, but it is still the bait and something we want and to stay away be with. it better but if we could ultimately train our dogs not to need that type of motivation to eat the food that's offered. 
Uh, what I was saying is, um, and dogs that it was with the travel and the stress aspect of things. Sorry. Whoop. Thoughts back. Choo choo. Um, was my train of thought. Got it. Got it. Um, the exercise and conditioning level plays a big part in this. Dogs that are in really good shape aren't quite so stressed out after that first full day of hunting where a dog that's kind of been a bit of a couch potato, um, they go out that first day and a lot like us, it's like, oh, I could do this forever. And then you go, oh man, I am sore today and the next day. And they're feeling the same kind of thing. You know, it's uh, that song's pretty accurate. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm a good once as I, I ever, ever was. was. Yeah. yeah. So you go out and do it that first time. And then um, uh, a lot of times that can happen with starting exercise plan or whatever else you're like oh i feel great i'm gonna get in here and work real hard and then you you're so sore that the but recovery you can't get back into the gym for yes. a week before you can move properly again the, the recovery process is slow and food is a big part hydration and, and nutrition are a huge part of recovery and if they aren't getting the nutrition the recovery process gets slowed down drastically and that's what your dog's feeling every part of their body aches and they're like i don't want to eat i don't i just feel horrible so Conditioning plays into that a little bit as well. It's a great question. So getting started with answering this question, which was from a comment. That's where we're getting all these questions from. Rock and roll. Is from Emily Cox. Yawa question. Eventually, I am going to add another GSP puppy to my family. Currently, I have a neutered male. Are there certain temperaments, traits that I should look for in my existing dog and the new puppy to make sure they match up well? For example, a male puppy would be intact for at least the first year or forever. Is this a consideration? Could this throw off the dynamic between the two dogs? Does a female puppy go better with a neutered male? Thanks. So Emily, I believe, has a deposit down with us for a puppy in 2023. I think I just talked to her, but um, this was a good question. And I don't think that one, it was one that we actually discussed in our phone conversation. Oh, it's awesome. And I think this is a question that is a very responsible question to be asking yourself and being honest with yourself before getting a new puppy. So absolutely. Um, if you have a dog that has any behavioral tendencies already that you're noticing, whether it's a male or a female, both can have dominance issues. Both can have grumpy attitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be aware of those things when you're adding a new puppy to the dynamic because we want to make sure that that transition is as smooth as possible. And that includes advocating for our older dog, not letting the puppy pester the heck out of them. Correct. And advocating for our young puppy. We don't need our young puppy being put in their place and being um, trampled down by an older dog that just doesn't like the puppy being in their presence. So it's important to interact properly um, with them together and us to be the advocate, not letting them sort it out for themselves. That's a good way for puppy to get hurt and have potentially scared of dog syndrome the rest of its life. Yeah, for sure. But so you have a neutered male. Mm Mm-hmm. And typically neutered males and um, are going to get along pretty well with any dogs. Yeah, I would say the, the general rule of thumb is any dogs that are raised together and raised right and whatever, they're going to be fine. Any combination. But uh, two males together that are intact have a higher chance of butting heads or two intact females that are living together have a higher chance of butting heads. Any other combination there of the above typically isn't going to be an issue. The neutered male and intact male, um, neutered male and female together, um, intact female, neutered male, so on and so forth. They're, they're, usually, they're usually going to be fine. And now we have a bunch of intact males that all live together and hang out and they all get along fine. But that's because they've been raised and not allowed. You know, they understand we're part of a team here and there is no hierarchy. We're all the same level. So... The All of that being said, we have seen on occasion that an intact male, which is going to be beyond the category of what you're talking about, you know, neutering somewhere after a year, once that male is kind of coming to their own, if you take an intact male that knows what's going on with life or is kind of a turd because he hasn't been handled at all um, and put him in with an intact, or excuse me, neutered male, intact male, neutered male, um, that don't really know each other and weren't raised together. A lot of times those intact males can try, 
they, the neutered male puts off a weird smell, whatever. They try and hump, dominate, bother the neutered male. So we have seen a little bit of that, but. But that's usually with dogs that are like in the kennel together. Not raised together. Not raised together. And not typically with an older neutered male and a younger intact male coming up. But you do have to watch that interaction as well. Because that could start happening where your young puppy starts thinking it's fun to hump your other dog. Well, it's not an okay behavior. It's going to, you know upset the other dog. Again, that's that advocating thing that we talked about. Yeah. And, uh, we have that example here. The old man Rexer is neutered and we have the intact boys and none of them bother him. You know, it's all, it's all part of a dynamic thing and being able to kind of regulate that a little bit. But at the same time, we don't leave any of them. You just spend four hours in the backyard entertaining yourselves because, uh, those are the times where stuff happens where they, you know, they dogs will be dogs. Dogs will be dogs. Exactly. And they'll have exactly. a pack mentality. So we supervise pretty consistently with our dogs. Um, and then the last dynamic you do have to consider, which it doesn't sound like will be your situation, um, is if you have an intact male and you get an intact female watching for mm-hmm. those heat cycles and making sure an accidental breeding doesn't happen. Um, but otherwise you already have a neutered male Adding another male or a female to your dynamic really shouldn't be a problem either way. Um, And if you decide to neuter or spay your second dog, second puppy, as they get older after that year mark, either way should also be fine. Mm -hmm. So great question, Emily. All right, let's roll into this next one. Next question from Travis Ressler. Yawa question. I have a one-year, seven-month English setter. We've got a lot of English setter questions recently, it feels like. Up-and-coming breed. Represent all you setter lovers. Throw a uh, comment down below of what individual breed of setter you have, because there's quite a few of them out there. Um, And I know there's quite a few guys that have setters that watch our stuff. What can I do? She will lock up on point, and when the gun goes off, she gets super excited, and she goes into over-maximum overdrive to find more birds. Mm. So it sounds like you have a young dog that gets out into the field, encounters the first bird, and then the wheels might fall off a little bit. That overexcitement happens with the gunfire and the birds and the shooting and the chasing. And it's definitely a better problem than the alternative. Where they get scared, of mm -hmm. course. Um, But you kind of have to, it's the same with people that say, Yeah, I just, you know, we dump the dogs out of the truck and they just, you know, blow into the field. And for the first 20 minutes, they're just running around like crazy. They got to blow off that steam. Well, yeah, sure, they're excited, they're pumped up, but they don't have to blow off that steam. It's Mm -hmm. not a prerequisite to be able to hunt a field properly or respectfully um, with other dogs and other handlers um, that are out there, other hunters. And keeping your dog obedient and under control is something that is not only safe, Um, but it's going to be a more productive hunt. And is again, like I said, respectful. If you are going hunting with a buddy and your dog is out there two, 300 yards ahead of you bumping birds because they're just so excited to be out of the truck for the first time. That's going to piss some people off. You know who you guys are. We're here to help, okay? So keeping your dog under control, and that really happens with proper collar conditioning because you can call or condition a dog for recall. You can call or condition a dog to woe. You can call or condition a dog to heal. But you can also utilize the collar to keep a dog in range properly. So if your dog's getting out too far, they feel the collar, weep, weep on the whistle, however you turn them, and then they know that they have to come back towards you until the collar shuts off. Once they hit that range that you're comfortable with them hunting in, collar shuts off, they can go back to hunting. Um, it's different than a recall situation where I say, hey, I need you to come all the way back to me because I need to check your pads. I need to get you some water. I need to make sure you didn't run through a barbed wire fence. And I would hold that vibrate or the continuous stimulation until the dog gets all the way back to me. They understand that they're doing whatever I'm asking until the collar shuts off. Then they're good to go. Yeah. And I would say that um, the other thing that I have is some more specific questions about the dog going into crazy overdrive what does that mean exactly and are they they chasing into oblivion or are they just super hunting where they're you know i i would like to know more and a really good place to reach out to us on this with would be patreon.com slash standing stone kennels where you can either video the situation and show me firsthand you know our ability to read dogs is the the most powerful tool that we have to offer you and if you're trying to train or work with your dog yourself 
Uh, Patreon.com slash Standing Stone Kennels is the, the private group that we have set up for folks that uh, allows us to help on the daily. Yeah. So need a little more information from you to give you more information from us. But great question. All right. And the last question of the week. This is a good one and uh, very insightful, actually. Hmm. Um, Eric Doan, Yawa question, which all of these Yawa questions are coming from the YouTube comments. People are commenting. Eric's name sounds really familiar. I believe he's also a patron, maybe? Uh, Maybe a patron. I know when we've done YouTube live video, or not YouTube, Instagram live videos and things like that in the past, he comments a lot. And I feel like he has a daughter and they were asking about pigeons, and his daughter uses his mm, YouTube what to comment a lot of times. Okay. I think so. But the name is very familiar. Yawa question. In watching many of the various training videos, I've noticed that you use verbal commands, cues, as well as nonverbal, such as in this video i.e. raising the knee to block legend from circling around, could you discuss the importance of nonverbal and body language in your training? Um, And this was in a response to one of legend's uh, train your tree videos. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And And that's cool to pick up. The fact that you pick up on that is huge. And I'm going to say, we're going to start this because we got got a couple minutes for me to be a little wordy here. Um, the, the, The biggest thing is that we don't have the ability to teach is your ability to read dogs and read situations. Um, it takes a bit of time, but some people have a knack for it. Some people do not. Some people, it's like, all right, right there. And they're like, I, I missed it again. You know, I don't, it just doesn't click for some people the same. So all of that being said, the fact that you are recognizing those really, really subtle things and those really, really subtle things are some of the most powerful things that we can do. And uh, it's really, it comes almost like as a second nature thing that we don't oh, always... Yeah recognize that we're even doing because it's just a way of handling the dog and like, well what did you do that like uh what, what did, did i do, do? <laughs> i should be i should be filming and videoing my training session so that i can review it which would be actually kind of well i guess we kind of already train you know video our training sessions yeah we just do and a we've done more. some reviews of our old training sessions mm-hmm. we should do some more that was kind of fun it was kind of fun so um all of that being said the the big thought process here is the the verbal cues, in my opinion, are drastically less important than some of the other things that we're doing, but they do have their place and they are important to be able to help dogs to differentiate between what we're asking. Now, dogs are place and situationally oriented. So that's, that's kind of why the e-collar works as powerfully as it does, because you can say, Uh, let's take the example of we've got a dog out in the field, right? This dog is collar conditioned to recall. They're collar conditioned to whoa. They're collar conditioned to fetch and collar conditioned to heal. And in that process, we collar condition them for holding things. Is there anything else that we're collar conditioned for in a general, like shoot a bird, retrieve a bird? But that's not really in the field. Yeah. In the field specifically there. Here, heal, whoa, fetch, hold. So we've got essentially five things that can all be handled with the collar. Now that button doesn't differentiate between what I pushed it for. Yeah. It doesn't change the the way it feels. It's the same. Unless you turn the dial up, then it changes the way you feel. And if you haven't seen that specific video, go back and watch cat shocked the crap out of me. It was kind of funny. It was really said a lot of people. Um, but those five things are all meant by the same thing. So now the dog runs out. Uh, let's say we walk up on the dog on point. We can remind them, nick or tap on the the button of the collar there, a little stimulation. And why did the dog not come to us in that situation? Because they understand the situation and the fact that there we're currently reinforcing. Whoa. Then bird gets up. We shoot the bird. Dog runs out. If they're lollygagging a little bit with the retrieve or something. And they're we not can, picking it up. We can hit the button. And that's going to say fetch. It's also going to remind them of hold. And then it's also going to remind them of the recall. So with a one tap or a couple tap taps as a reminder, reinforces all of those things. Again, because they're in that situation of I'm here, I should fetch the bird and then I should come back with it because I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And then as the dog gets closer to us, finishing that gap, we can go tap, tap, tap. And that's going to again say hold, here, heal. And we can utilize 
the collar as one thing that that says it's a nonverbal cue to the dog that reinforces all the things that we've already taught them. So that to me says the nonverbal is as if not more important because dogs are situationally oriented. Now, the other side of it would be some of our verbal cues we utilize or reuse, if you will, one of which is kennel. Now, because dogs are, again, place and situationally oriented, if we are near the dog's crate, we can say kennel, and that means to go someplace that go into the crate. If we are near a dog bed, we can say kennel. If we're at the back of the truck, we can say kennel. If we're going to load in the car, we can say kennel. If we're going to load into the dog crate or into the tub or you get the gist here, any place we want the dog to go, we can say kennel because, again, they're placed and situationally oriented. It may take a few reps to show them, but those are all things kind of leading to the direction of the difference between verbal and nonverbal cues and how they kind of differentiate all based around the fact that the dog is placed and situationally oriented. Now, the other nonverbal cues that we have are Our body, body language. language. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Say Get that. into body language. So, dogs, um, again, which it has to do with you know spatial pressure and spatially yes. oriented, um, read and feed a lot off of us from teaching a puppy to sit to helping a dog swing into a heel. So with the sitting aspect of things, what are we doing? Yeah, I was going to explain that. I was just giving some examples of how we're using our body and spatial pressure to help in those situations. But yeah, so you've got a young puppy, you're trying to teach them to sit and you need their butt to hit the ground. Well, what we talk about in a lot of our videos, especially those puppy training videos on our YouTube channel playlists is um, if you can get their attention up high, they're looking up their butt hits the ground. It becomes very as you natural move into as them. you move into yeah, them because yeah, yeah. they, they look up, but then they you kind feel of, like they need to move yeah. away from you as yeah. we um, move as away we're moving from away from our mics. So. That makes such good sense. Yes. Um, but you know, that spatial pressure that we're giving to them then adds, it, it helps them learn to put their butt on the ground and it just, it works naturally. Um, the same with helping a dog swing into a heel position. Well, if you just stand still and you're expecting your dog to do all the footwork, especially in the beginning, they are confused. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to move their feet properly. And this fly is bugging the crap out of me. I know. I was going to try and get it. Smack it on my face. Don't smack the microphone. I won't. So annoying. Don't move. It's right there. (laughs) Oh. I missed that's all right. Anyway, sorry, that fly is super distracting and annoying. But um, so trying to help a dog learn. Did you get it? Oh, yes. Ninja. Ninja move. Got Ninja. the fly. Ooh, my hero. Thank you, Dyson. <laughs> um, you should cut it with chopsticks. Name that movie. It's an easy one. Come on, throw it in the comments. Swinging into a heel. So you're going to help move your feet to help your dog move their feet to get into a proper healing position. The same with if you've got a dog coming back with a recall, um, with a retrieve, excuse me, and you don't want them going behind you, like uh, was mentioned in the question, well, you need to block them. You need to take away that opportunity and that option and moving your body in front of them and then kind of redirecting them with your knees. Then they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't go around. I need to swing into that heel. And it's just um, eliminating some of the options by giving a little spatial pressure, personal dominance, if you will, and saying, hey, Absolutely. back out of my space, then swing into your space. I like it. I like it a lot. So, um, did we cover that pretty well? I think so. I think it's really important that um, we think about the nonverbal and verbal cues as um, things that go together and that one supports the other. So, once you see how that they meld together, you can help your dog get better at the behavior by using both. Um, And like we talk about in other videos, dogs' brains are directly related to their feet. So if you get a dog that's frozen and they're like, I don't know what to do. I say directly connected, but yeah, yeah. And what what we're meaning by that is sometimes you're going to see a dog give you this blank stare. And I know everybody has seen it where you say, Sparky sit or, and they, they either, like, it's a blank stare or they kind of are spaced off at something else. They're focused on something else. Or they're else. giving you that like happy dog like, grin. I'm uh, like, you know how to sit. What the heck are you doing? I mean, why are you not? Well, if you just get their feet to move 
that like kind of like resets their brain. their brain. Yeah, it's a it's the weirdest thing in the whole world. But get your if you ever see that and moment. How do we get them to move their feet? Yep. Spatial pressure. Just move into them a little bit, or move away from them a little bit, and they're like, "Ooh!" They move their feet, and then ask again, "Hey, Sparky, sit." And then you're going to see it happen instantly. But if you have them stand there, you could say "sit" till you're blue in the face almost, and they're just like, because their brain stuck. is shut off, and yeah. you got to hit that reset button, which is just getting the feet to move. Yes. So, um, really great question. Really great insight into those training sessions. That's awesome. And I think that that's all we have time for in part three, because I am out of tea. I'm already out of coffee. Uh, I'm the guy with the pink gun. And I'm Kat, the dog trainer. We're out of time. So we will see you in the next video.